So if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know we've been working our way through the second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. It's a New Testament book called 2 Corinthians, and we're on chapter 5. So what I'd like to do is read through some of the verses in chapter 5 and make a couple of comments. Now, I, I would like to make no comments, but you, you, those of you who know me know I can't do that. So I'm going to read through and make minimal comments because I just want to let the Scripture speak to us. So uh, um, I'll put it up on the screen. If you want to have a Bible in your hand, put your hand up. We'll bring you one. But what I'm going to read is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the first five verses. Paul writes this to the Corinthian church. He writes, We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan. Longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we, are, we groan in our burden, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Paul is saying there that this body is like a tent, but God has a building for us in heaven. Now just think about the difference in the substance. We often think that what we have here is the real thing, and this is the thing of substance. But this is like a tent, and what we have waiting for us in heaven, that's the real thing. That's the thing with substance. And we groan. We groan because we know somewhere deep in our heart that we don't have what we really long for. It's kind of like hunger pains. You know, when you need food in your stomach, what happens? Your stomach starts to tell you. First, it starts with a little annoyance, just a little reminder. But if you go long enough without eating, and because we live in this part of the country, most of us probably don't go very long without eating, it actually turns into a pain, and it hurts. And that's there for a reason. It's there to remind this earthly tent, this body, that there's something we need, there's something we long for. If we didn't get those hunger pains, we wouldn't know maybe we were missing something. And the same thing works with our spirit, that Paul says here we groan. We long because we don't have the thing we were made for. It's important for us to realize that as Christ followers because too often we think that we should get all our fulfillment from this life. You ever find yourself thinking that? You ever hit points in life where you're not satisfied and you're not fulfilled and you say, wow, life really isn't giving me what it should give me. I'm not getting enough. I'm missing things. And you feel like that. Do you feel like that ever? Here's how I want you to think about that from now on. It's a good thing. And you will never be fully fulfilled in this life. It's like the hunger pains your stomach gives you telling you you need something more than what you have. When you feel unsatisfied and you feel unfulfilled, it's the longing, the groaning of your spirit that says, I was made for something more than this. And I don't have it yet, but I want it. And Paul goes as far to say is that we groan because we long to be clothed with our eternal dwelling. Creation groans too. I'm going to read another scripture from Romans 8, 19 through 14. Paul's writing this also. Creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by will, the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. 
But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? We hope for what we don't have. What is it we don't have? We don't have heaven yet. And we groan and we long for that. This scripture says the entire creation groans for what will come next. Paul struggled because he knew what was coming next and he longed for it. But he knew what life here meant and he wanted to stay and do the work. He wrote about that struggle he had in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. Paul writes this, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul says, I long to go be with Jesus but my work here is not done. So I'll stay here and finish my work, but I long to go be with Jesus. But I'll remain here until God says my work is done, but I long to go be with Jesus. That was Paul's struggle. And we should feel that same tension. We know that we were promised a heavenly home. We know that there's a a guarantee of better things to come. And there's a part of us that's never going to be happy till we get there. But there's a part of us that knows God has given us work to do in this life. And we won't leave until we've finished it. In uh, 2 Corinthians, the first four verses that I read, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 says this. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That God put his deposit in us. Jesus said, I'm going to build a, a place for you, and I will return and come get you. And while I'm gone, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the counselor. He's like my deposit. He's my guarantee that I will come back. And we have that Holy Spirit, as Jesus promised, that he will come back. There's one more verse I want to read to you, and then we're going to um, have a really great song. It's from Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. This is an amazingly profound sentence. It's one scripture, one Uh, It's actually two sentences, one verse. It says this about God. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I love that phrase. I love that phrase that God has set eternity in the human heart. Because it means you know that you're more than just a tenth. It means you know you are more than the sum of a bunch of molecules. You know you are more than this body that's um, a a lump of flesh. And some of you aren't as lumpy as I am. But we're all just, I said last week, jars of clay, earthen vessels. But something in our heart knows we're more than that. It's deep in us. And it's there because God put it there. God put eternity in your heart. That means that you know in your knower that there's more than this life. And many people know it. They just haven't figured out what it all means yet. They haven't discovered Jesus and his deposit of the Holy Spirit and the promise of heaven. But in their hearts, they know they're made for more than this. You talk to your friends, you'll find out. Every human being has eternity in their heart. And they know they're made for more than they see in this world. This is actually what scares so many people. It's what makes people worry. Because they haven't figured out what that means. They have this longing in their heart that's eternity. But they haven't figured out who it's pointing to yet. 
Paul ended one of his chapters in Romans by saying, thanks be to God, it's Jesus Christ. He's the, what the arrow points to, that eternity that is set in my heart. You know it, right? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you can't articulate it even. Maybe you can't even explain it. Maybe you're here and you haven't quite figured it out yet, but you know in a very deep place in yourself that you were made for eternity, that you were built to last. So you want to see something immortal? You want to see something that will last forever? Don't look at these walls. They won't. Don't look at this screen. They won't. Don't look at the microphones and the speakers. They won't. They will all perish and turn to dust one day. You want to see something that will last forever? You look around these chairs at the people sitting in them. Now, I'm not saying the earthly tent. The earthly tent's going to fold up and go away one day. I'm talking about the person who's in it. Look around this room right now. And you look into the eyes of some of the people in this room, if you dare. Because you will be looking at something that lasts forever. You will be looking at the immortal. That the, the mortal will be swallowed up. The earthly tent will go back to dust. But every one of you, the real you, that's housed in this earthly tent, you'll live forever. Um, one, one, read one more scripture, and then we have a couple more songs. Uh, it's, the, it's the next portion in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to pick up in verse 6. It says this, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That passage says that we live by faith, not by sight. We live believing in things we don't see. Jesus said it this way to his disciples. He said it's in John 20, 29. He said, because you have seen me, you believe. His, his followers, when he walked this earth, saw him. They touched him. And, and Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen my miracles, you've heard my words. You've been with me, I've been with you, and you believe it's wonderful. But, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us. That's us in the room. Let me just take a quick poll. How many people have seen Jesus in the flesh How many people still believe in him? Okay, this scripture is talking about you. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. And we're going to sing a song called Be Thou My Vision. It's a great hymn, and the words to it are so wonderful to sing with meaning because we're saying to Jesus, be my vision, be my sight. I'll live by faith, not by what I see with these eyes, but what I see with my eyes of faith. And may we always be the kind of people who... No matter what's going on in our lives, we say, blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name. Uh, now as we go, I want you to remember that the Lord that you met with in this room today leaves with you, walks with you. So walk with him in his power, in his protection, in his might, in his blessing, and in his love. Uh, God bless you so much. Have a great day.